sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week... We're doing Point Blank versus Payback. Payback, a Mel Gibson movie, which... Uh, We've done two in a small amount of time. What? We've done two Mel Gibson movies in a small amount of time. Well, that's true. We did. Well, I mean, the first one was, was early Mel Gibson. This is Mel Gibson at the height of his powers. This is after he ate his own Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you can kind of tell from the movie a little. Well... We'll get into that. Um, but Point Blank from 1967, which I'd been hearing about for a long time, I did not know it was uh, it was based on the the Donald Westlake Richard Stark uh, novel Hunter. Both of these movies are based on that same novel. Right, right. They and watching them back to back, you can tell. Yes, I mean, it's almost Something, like watching the same movie. But what's what's odd is the choices that they both made that aren't in the novel. But we get into that. <laughs> um, and it's, what's really really odd is why couldn't they they name the character Parker? It's such a great name for yeah. this character, and they both had different names. They both had them. different names. I know that was really <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, I don't know, especially since they were obviously based on the novel. Like, why not just use the name? But. <laughs> But Point Blank, um, I had never seen. You had seen uh, Payback a, a long time ago, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think I'd ever seen the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces. Like but, on cable like, or something. Right. I don't think I'd seen it from, like, I've probably seen the whole, I've probably seen the whole entire movie, but never in one sitting. Like, right. This scene this time, this scene that time. So, yeah, it's a different experience. Um, and, yeah, so Point Blank I'd been hearing about, um, like, as one of the, the underrated, you know, excellent movies from the '60s. Um, so it was, I was pretty excited to see it, and uh, I actually, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really fun. What about you? I liked it. I didn't love it. I, I thought that uh, some of those '60s cinematic tricks, yeah, were me, like the the psychedelic stuff, and <laughs> and I think I would have enjoyed it more as a film if I did, hadn't never read the novel because as an adaptation, I didn't think it worked that well. Well, but I it didn't, was a good movie. Yeah, I didn't remember the novel. You know, well, even either. that, even without remembering specific details, just the novel, the, the way the way uh, Westlake writes is very, it's very um, uh, sparse. So yes. things happen very quickly, and this is more a meandering. And this is, is this a dream? Is this, you know, it's it, the the flashbacks are kind of go for a, a long time. And yeah, the flashbacks were weird. Like every time he did something, he had just about he had a flashback. Right, and something you'd already seen in the movie. Exactly. So yeah. it wasn't even like flashbacks to something that happened before. Um, I mean, there was some of that, but but yeah, he kept flashing back to waking up in jail, and uh, I liked it. It, we, it was '67, so you can't not have any kind of psychedelic shit. Yeah, I know. It just it irritates me. It doesn't irritate me. I just don't find it engaging. It's just kind of boring. And this is another one of those, like, I mean, you know, we've talked about it. They still do it now. But but where the leading man is, like, at least 20 years too old to be dating the woman that he's dating <laughs> in it. Not well, his, his ex-wife and his ex-wife's sister. Sister, yeah, who, which was not the same in Payback, but... Uh, yeah, well, Angie Dickinson. That's uh, the change that I was thinking of. It, 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 um, I don't remember that specifically, but I don't remember a second woman from the novel. I just remember the ex-wife. Oh, really? Uh, I might be wrong, but I don't remember him hooking up with somebody else that was such a major character. Yeah, and it, that was well, that was a weird relationship in this too. Um, mm-hmm. Point blank. But well, let's give a quick synopsis. You want to do it? As a, a life career thief is on a job with with uh, his best friend, presumably, and his wife, and he's double crossed on the job, and they shoot to kill and leave leave his body to die, uh, and he escapes. Was it was the 
for some reason I couldn't figure this out. The the money drop took place on Alcatraz, the former site of a prison. Which was the weirdest thing. Well, first of all, I kept thinking the whole time, how did they get out to Alcatraz? <laughs> I mean, I guess they had a rowboat or something, yeah. but but also I was thinking like so this helicopter does this drop on Alcatraz which doesn't alarm anybody seeing a helicopter fly out to Alcatraz and yeah. A prison that had been closed for just like a couple of years at this point. When this, yeah. So yeah, he comes, he comes back from the death, from the dead. We don't know really how he, he, he lives, but he swims out. And that's an interesting scene when he's swimming out. We think he's swimming out to, to, uh, to escape and get back to the city and immediately it jumps to him on the tour ship saying how difficult it was to escape San Francisco. I mean, I'm sorry. It's how difficult it was to escape Alcatraz. I right. thought that was pretty fun. And, uh, he just goes about revenge. I, I do, you, do we need to get into details? Oh, the, well, it, it's a revenge story. I mean, he's getting back at his ex-wife and it, well, his ex-wife, uh, eat shit pretty early on, not by his hand. So. The, the one important point is that the, the double cross happened so that his ex friend could buy himself back into the syndicate. Yes, uh, be a part of the this crime operation. This crime operation headed by Archie Bunker. Actually, not headed by him, but he was a he's he a major a player. Lieutenant. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, it's basically a revenge story, and uh, pretty. Pretty for 1967, I had to say I thought it was pretty violent, and uh, yeah, and the violence was like <laughs> punching the guy in the balls. Yeah, it was very specific. Yeah, in the nightclub, um, and uh, even and there was some nudity too, which I thought was weird for 67. Angie Dickinson getting dressed and stuff. I, like I, I don't was know. there any nudity though? Was it just implied? I don't uh, remember. You kind of saw her in the background. Okay, I don't. Getting dressed, yeah, um, which was strange. But yeah, any, anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah, the the violence was was pretty. I mean, it still looked like fake blood and shit, but the, the violence was pretty graphic for. No, uh, like the the blood wasn't, but the, the actual violence, like the fight scenes, it looked like they were really happening. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me. I I don't know if you remember uh, from the Manchurian Candidate when uh, when uh, Frank Sinatra's fighting the houseboy or whatever, and it looked like. Unlike most Hollywood movies, it looked like a real fight where they're actually fighting. That's what I thought too. In like the nightclub scene here, where they were having a fight, it looked like they were actually fighting. It wasn't like it didn't look all stuntish. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like tumbling over each other and shit. But yeah, so it's Lee Marvin is the main guy, and uh, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. They, they. I think, I think maybe the. I might be wrong. Maybe there is a second woman in the novel, but I don't remember Parker in the novel ever being softened as much as he in, is, is in these two movies. Like this, the second female character softens him a little bit, but he's still a dick. A little bit. Movies. Yeah. Although, I mean, in this one, she does hit him with a pool cue. Yeah. But eventually that fight ends with them making out. Yeah. Well, kind of, uh, he's, Either he's, in... he's kind of in between uh, consciousness and unconsciousness, yes. but, <laughs> but they're friendly by the end. Yes, they are. But he does use her too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he basically pimps her out yes. to, to get to and get. For to... some reason, he waits as long as as possible to go in there. <laughs> yeah, I know she's already in bed with the dude, <laughs> naked, and uh, yeah, no, yeah, then he he gets in. Um, and oh, that's it's... another interesting thing. The guy that plays Mal Mal Resnick, I think the name is, or yeah, Mal one of the the guy who double crosses him. Yeah, is played by James Vernon, and he's, he's he's like 50 in this movie, or I don't know how old he is. Maybe he's in his 30s, but it, it's his first film, and introducing James Vernon. Vernon, sorry. That's the I only dream, know him man. As, what? That's the dream for us uh, uggos in our 40s, man. He <laughs> yeah. I always remember career. him as Dean Wormer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't even make the connection. Well, he does look a lot younger than Dean Wormer. Yes, I guess it's 10 years before or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I never made this connection before, but in this movie, I kind of, I kind of thought that he could easily play uh, Bill Murray's uncle. Oh yeah, totally. Well, I was gonna, I was wondering, and I should have looked this up beforehand. The, uh, the hitman in in this movie, Point Blank, Doogie's father. Do, it is Doogie Howser's dad, yep. right? James Siking, I think. That's crazy, it? dude. Man. Yeah, you see him in a lot of character acting stuff back before, like 
in the 70s, 60s and 70s. I mean, not in movies. You usually see him on TV. He was all over the, like, Colum- he'd be in a Columbo episode. He was all over Bochco stuff. And then he, he got the role of a lifetime when he played Doogie's father. Mr. Doogie. Yeah, uh, that's, oh, that tripped me out. Johnny Mandel did the music, too, which cracked me up. Howie Mandel? Johnny, uh, Howie's step-uncle. Oh. John- Who's Johnny Mandel? He wrote Suicide is Painless. Oh, shit. <laughs> the great theme for MASH. Which uh, they didn't use the lyrics to in the TV show. Another reason the TV show is no good and should be recast. Um, yeah, so it's a revenge story. Um, and it tripped me out at first because for a while I thought it was still in San Francisco even though it was in L.A. Yeah. And then I kept seeing the palm trees. I'm like, oh, that's not San Francisco. <laughs> I actually thought that was one of the things I, I I felt that it was very, it was a an L.A. movie. There was so, it was like the way it was shot and it, sh- it showed the city really, all parts of the city. I, I thought that was pretty interesting, like the rivers with the, the cement and. Oh, yeah, that reservoir that you see in a million other movies. Yeah, it's just, it was just it was a very LA movie. It, it wasn't just, you know, sometimes you'll have a movie shot in LA and it feels like this can be any city any, anywhere, but this was No, it was definitely LA. Yeah, and it felt it. It felt like that was on purpose. Yeah. Um there but there were some I mean, he was uh it was weird because he was very mercenary like and it was all over like a piddling amount of money. Yeah. Really. And and I mean they made a bigger deal of it in the Actually, it was more money in this than it was in the second one. Yeah, I think it was ninety-three thousand. Yeah, which was not not chump change in nineteen sixty-seven. No, and that was well. I think the the pay well the the payback. I think it was seventy thousand. Yeah, but it looked like the payback was set in like seventies or something. But that's still less money. Possibly the only the there was a reference to Richard Nixon in that one. That was the only thing that kind of. Made you think, but yeah, there it wasn't. It didn't say outright. Well, in that reference one, to Nixon and all the phones were dial phones. I didn't see any like regular phones. Oh yeah, maybe that's true. Um, yeah, but he like he took took that uh that used car salesman out for driving his car and just like <laughs> smashed the shit out of the car and just kept fucking the dude up. Um, that was I, that was one of the funniest scenes of the movie because it was, it was so great. ridiculous. Yeah. Like Lee Marvin is somehow magically unscathed, um, just well, ramming they, they this car point, into shit. They made a point of foreshadowing by putting his seatbelt on. And the guy's like, "You don't, you don't need those." I guess that's true. Yeah, um, which was another thing that kind of happened in the other. Yeah, movie that, in a I, way. I, I watching the payback. I kind of thought they were not remaking they weren't doing an adaptation of the hunter they were remaking point blank yeah yeah kind of (laughs) um yeah that was an excellent scene and then but then like he also like when he goes to visit carol Mm o'connor um you know he's like i i want my money but he's just kind of very and the dude's like well you can't have it and he's like well somebody's got to give me my money he's very (laughs) kind of blase about it at the same time Um, but I thought the the other thing is it's it's one of those he he goes against up against these terrible odds, but he doesn't really ever have any trouble. No, uh, and yeah, that's kind of the thing in both things. He's kind of almost a superhero in a way. Yeah. Um, where it, it gets ridiculous, especially since he's just supposed to be a thief and not like right some I don't know Navy SEAL or anything. Although you don't know, you don't really know a ton about the dude. No, you. I, there was a weird flashback where they killed Lee Marvin's hair. <laughs> yeah, that's when he met the wife. Um, I found it very strange. Like, so when his friend Mal like tries to get him in on this heist in Alcatraz, they're at some reunion, and they're on the floor, and like Mal's lying on top of him. <laughs> That reunion no, was absurd. There are so many people that they had to force their way through. It was... I don't even know what kind of reunion it was supposed to be, but yeah. It was a reunion of people who like really cramped rooms. <laughs> I think so, yeah. The the cramped union reunion of 67. Um, Everybody dressed in suits and stuff. I, wow, so that's it, typical 60s. Couldn't have been a high school reunion. Um, Yeah, but that was very weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, I guess... 
he was supposed to be really drunk was the point or something and he slipped and fell and brought Lee Marvin down with him but he's telling him this whole plan while they're lying on the floor people just <laughs> walking around him trying not to step on him I don't know an interesting choice I guess from the screenwriter or director the when I read that the they got the script and they hated it Lee Marvin got the script and he hated it and he went to the studio and said he'd do it as long as he could pick as long as he could have uh, what's it called first cut rights or last cut rights whatever that's called where he could he would be able to edit the movie as he, he saw fit and he yeah, was able final to pick cut final cut and as long as he could pick the director and he picked and I guess casting I don't know but he got a bunch of power because he was a big deal at the time and he picked the director John Borman I think his name uh-huh. is John Borman yeah and he said. Uh, Okay, you get final cut, cut, and you can pick everybody. <laughs> so he gave all the power to him. So he just got a director he trusted, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Lee Marvin did a good job in it, I thought. Um, oh, yeah, he was great. Angie Dickinson, man, she was uh, she was quite the beauty Yeah. back in the day. I, d- I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything like this old. Well. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything. Is she in anything? I mean, I know she's in famous things. I just don't remember them. I think I saw her in Dress to Kill. That's the only thing I remember her in. I know she was like on that Police Woman TV series, right. but I never saw that. No, me neither. Um, but yeah, I, the the cast was fine. The uh, oh, I saw Rio Bravo. She was in that too. Rio Bravo. Yeah, the cast was good. Uh, Carol Connor, even though you're thinking about Archie Bunker, he was he was great. Well, yeah, when I first saw him, I didn't even know it was him for a couple seconds. Well, Keenan Wynn was the, and he was the mysterious character we see that lets him out of prison. And I, I is is he the guy from Mary Poppins? Oh shit, I have no idea, man. He, I don't know if I know him from that. I thought I thought that's what he, I knew him from. Does he play the the penguin? Wait, what's his name? Keenan Wynn? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. If only there were a way to tell. I don't think there is. Nope. Fortunately. Um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty fun. I think maybe I liked it more than you did. Um Yeah, I liked it a lot, but I didn't like it as much as I probably would have if I didn't have a, a what like I, I think I was a little more annoyed by the the touches, the sixties touches than you were, but it was good. I just yeah, I liked it. Didn't love it. Yeah, yeah. It it's uh definitely for a, a 60s movie, it's uh it's pretty strong. Like the Oh yeah. A lot of stuff from the 60s, it's when they got in well, and this has the look of those 60s movies, you know. I don't even know what you call it. It's kind of like a washed out Technicolor look. Yeah, that that's the thing that you can really tell a 60s movie is the one of the things is the color. Yeah. It, I, yeah, is that? Do you think it's washed out? I thought it was just like very, like vibrant. I don't know. There's just something about the 1960s movies color that it's, is, is recognizable. Well, that's why I said washed out Technicolor. It's vibrant, but not vibrant enough. Like it's it still uh, looks yeah. kind of you know. <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. don't know. It's not appealing. Yeah. To me. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but um, so it's and and a lot of movies from the 60s. Like I think it was a real dreary time for movies overall. Um, but, but this was, this was pretty strong. Like this could have, this was almost like seventies, like when they started getting into the whole, you know, uh, easy riders and raging bulls era, mm-hmm. um, with, with a lot of darkness and not like, not a lot of sappiness or no, yeah, I don't think there's any sappiness. Was there? I don't think so. Yeah. Even his scenes, his love scenes with Angie Dickinson weren't. I don't think you could call him sappy. Like I said, no. she hits him over the head with a pool cue, <laughs> beats the shit out of him a couple times. Um, and yeah, and he's just kind of, so do you, and it ends on a, on a kind of a weird shot with uh, Archie Bunker dead there next to the pile of money. And I'm assuming he goes and grabs the money at some point or does he like, was it all just the principle of the thing? I I, I don't know. I like that Doogie's father went to get it, and, and the big boss is like, leave it. Yeah. Uh, Doogie's father. He knew he had a career as a TV actor coming up, so <laughs> he needed some ready cash. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure. It was was he 
and the way they just had him in the shadows watching was it was was interesting too. Yeah, it was a I, good ending. It was a very good ending. It I didn't, was. I didn't. I don't usually like those surprises. I was I was the bad guy all along. Spoiler alert! But it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, I didn't I didn't see that coming at all. No, uh, when no. Carol O'Connor screamed that out. Um, but I I think he was standing in the shadows just because he didn't still didn't trust them not to kill him yeah exactly yeah uh and then yeah and then they finally just took off but it it is very like even despite the the kind of 60s uh cinematography it is very cool seeing like la back then yes yes i I always love that kind of thing um and like that uh that used car lot just looked so from my childhood that's how they looked you know Mm -hmm. um and the, I mean, just the architecture and everything—that that, that kind of shitty, almost uh, Fred Sanford-ish <laughs> type. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was very cool. The the moment I realized it was L.A. and not San Francisco, I think, was when uh, he, Lee Marvin, for some reason, was up on a hill overlooking the city, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's there's nowhere with that much grass in San Francisco." <laughs> not now, not then, not ever. Not ever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't man. That was a uh, that was kind of quick, but should we should we take a break? Uh, oh, I let me see. I think I wrote something else. Oh, the this speaking of the car lot, that weird opening introduction to the car salesman was was just how he was gawking at the woman. Oh god, yeah. It was it, just irritating. It was creepy like the one of his salesmen is helping the woman and he kind of just abandons Lee Marvin for a minute to go up and drool all over her. Um, yeah, that was that was a little bit gross. Oh, another weird thing is there's these there's a scene where uh, I forget. I think the cops are called for some reason, and they're all over the place. The, these police cars come filled with with like Los Angeles police in the car, but they get out of the car and they're wearing helmets. I thought that was really weird. They're they're gearing up for the uh, 68 Democratic Convention. I, think. I guess so. They're ready. Oh well, yeah. That was another weird scene where he tied the two dudes up, and I was like, "What? Wow. Okay. I guess." Yeah, there was no introduction to how they got in that room, of who they were, in, and were they doing this willingly? It wasn't wasn't really clear because as he leaves, like, thanks. Yeah. He just gives. You have any rope? Tie yourself together. No, no. He's like very specific about what to do, and he's not. He's not like pointing a gun at them. They're just doing it willingly. So who knows? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's a weird movie, and there is well, there's not that much psychedelic shit. There was like, there's that scene in nightclub that the the movie theme nightclub where yeah, there's this the weird singer and and the go-go yeah. dancers and yeah. yeah and then he like drops that bottle on the floor when he's in his ex-wife's place oh there's that so he that, can't, <laughs> all the perfume goes in the bathtub yeah but it like totally looks like an acid trip when he looks down at it um damn there was another oh well i was gonna say when uh when he goes to the guy okay above mal his his old friend he goes to him and uh tells him to bring in the money and uh and then he like busts into his office and like mm-hmm. s- and says, "You go pick it up," you know, blah blah blah. I was like, "Damn, dude, you're really like, you really don't trust people very much." Because it seemed, <laughs> it seemed to me like he had handed the used car salesman guy the money to give to him. I was like, "What's, right. what's the deal?" But then it turned out he was right. Like it was, so I didn't see that coming that he had a uh, Doogie Hauser's dad there to take him out. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good setup, especially since they showed him giving him the money and saying, we're, we're trusting you to do this, making it like, don't steal that money. Right. So it, was, it, it was just all paper. It was like yeah. all receipts. But and that was a, a good way, a good way to, to, for Lee Marvin to kill that guy without killing that guy. Yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't even have to do it. Just let, uh, Mr. Doogie do it. That way. I forget that guy's name. There, there's Fairfax. Carol Connor was Fairfax. Yeah, he was Fairfax. I don't remember this dude's name either. Oh, his name was Carter. Oh, his name was Carter. Okay. Yeah. And well, and in both cases, the uh, the protagonist, you never learn his first name. Right, and that's mentioned in this movie. Yeah. Because because uh, after after they make sweet sweet weird love, she says, "You don't even know my last name." Yeah, he's like, she's like, "What's my last name?" Or, Wait what's a my minute. first. That's... No, what's my first 
yeah, what's my last name? And he's like, and he says, what's, you, my first what's my first name? name? But yeah. now that I think about it, that was stupid. Of course, he, that's the sister-in-law. He knows her last yeah. name. Why wouldn't he know her last name? <laughs> that was ridiculous. Although, <laughs> a dog's the same as my wife's. Uh, it's my wife's maiden name. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. And now let's was... take a break. Okay. Yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Payback. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. Payback. Did you hate Payback? I didn't hate it. Uh, for for a Mel Gibson big studio movie, not bad. Better than yeah. I expected it to be. It was, but watching it and after reading that that there is a a director's version. I want to watch the director's version before we get to like I, we could talk about this later after we've given the, the whole plot away. Because if you haven't seen this movie, we're going to talk about the whole plot. Spoiler alert. But it's basically the same plot as Point Blank with slight differences here and there. Yeah, and this so this was from 99, um, and I was not looking forward to seeing a Mel Gibson movie from 99. But it was, I thought it was well-directed in the beginning. I thought it had, like, neat pieces and a neat look to it. Yeah, I was going to say in the beginning is, is probably uh, what I would have said, too. Um, and I like that they actually they actually play up his being a thief more like he's stealing from beggars on the street. He's stealing yes. from a, a waitress in a diner. Um, and I thought that worked better with, with the character in the novel. Cause I remember him like one of the points was he would, he would have a big score and then he'd live off, off the winnings for months and not only win, but like, I mean, not only live off it, but like, live high. So it was like, not only did he steal the guy's wallet and like buy himself a suit. So he looked respectable, but he was eating like steak dinners at expensive restaurants. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the Parker way. Yeah. Well, the Porter way. Yeah. He's called Porter in this. I don't know why either. <laughs> um, and they also changed Mal, Mal's name to Val, which is really dumb. And he, that dude was, I mean, he, that actor just looks like a scumbag. Like yes. he, he's perfect at playing that slimy kind of yeah. dude. But yeah, no, I was actually, you know, it was another one where I was surprised. Oh yeah, Mel Gibson can act when he when he needs to. No, he, yeah, I agree. Um, there's, there's, he, he can act and he has that, like we talked about with Mad Max, he has a, a charm to him that really, he, he jumps out the screen. And when he's not saying sugar tits, he's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he he pulled off the you know the kind of hard boiled. I I mean I don't know if you'd call it hard. Well, yeah, I think in this movie even more so, because um, Lee Marvin was just kind of a blank. Yeah, in yeah. a way, he, he was an asshole, but not really, not not as malicious. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Mel Gibson, you could kind of see everything that was in his makeup in this movie. Um, Porter, sorry, not Mel Gibson. Um, so, wow. yeah, I, I really liked it, especially at the beginning, uh, towards the end, it did this, the same kind of thing with like the superhero, like this dude's indestructible mm-hmm. that, that kind of annoyed the shit out of me, but it's also to be expected from a 1999 Mel Gibson movie. I see. Yes. So, well, I, the original cut it's, I don't. I want to see it. I, they have it on Netflix, so I, but not streaming. So I ordered the disc. I just want to see what it's like. But they took out the entire subplot with with the son and Chris Christopherson is entirely out of the movie. It doesn't exist at all. Executive like the Brian Hugeland. I don't know how to say his name, but that's the director, and he didn't direct thirty percent of the movie because they took him off after his cut was not. It didn't please the executives. They thought it was too dark. Oh. So the ending is different. There's no phone with a 
connected to a bomb and there's no ripping through the 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 the, the, the trunk of, of a car and just in the nick of time there's none of that so i really want to see because i think it's improved because I, I i believe that the the parts he directed are really good so i didn't know about that before and before looking into this i remember when it came out that there was a whole like some people said mel gibson was the person that was like that pushed the, it up yeah and then well who knows what the truth is that now every article i read said it was executives but whatever the truth is it definitely wasn't the director so he was off the movie for like 30 uh, percent of the movie is what the report i read was so like the whole end of the movie he has nothing to do with oh. and it's a lot not a lot darker than and and in his version of the movie the dog dies i was gonna say like that was so stupid seeing him with a bandage on yeah yeah that's clearly gonna work because when when the dog gets shot i was like oh shit <laughs> this motherfucker's evil and i can't believe they did that in this movie but yeah then he's there with a the bandage um yeah that was dumb uh yeah, no. Well, that's interesting to know because that's that's kind of where it fell apart as much as you know to the extent that it did fall apart at all. Um, was yeah, it was still good. I end. just yeah, it just was really cheap. I mean, the the I mean, I, I'm I don't know. If it's not the actor's fault, but the kid was like, no, it was just so weak when he's opening the present with the key. It was just just so dumb. <laughs> well, Chris Christopherson pretty good at playing a uh, a bad guy yeah because he's yeah. got that face where you're like oh yeah this guy could have killed a ton of people <laughs> it's like most country artists i guess when you think about it especially dolly parton miranda lambert is that even a person i don't know um CeeLo. yeah uh, so in this it's it's definitely more gritty I think at least in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and which I liked, like I didn't expect it. I expected it to kind of be like the way the end was throughout the whole thing, you know, just yeah. kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't. They, yeah, they, they kind of stayed true to, well, point blank more than the book. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, and and so I thought that was really cool. I mean, he was I, also I, like Lee Marvin, just kind of a almost a supernatural badass where he's just fucking people up like the uh the dude at the front desk when he goes to see the you know the people in the back room about the right one and all that and this dude's like a big hulk and it doesn't even show what he does but no i well i think that made it work if they would have showed what he did i don't think that would have worked at all oh i agree the implication made it work um but we've said all good things and i have to bring up some bad things that lucy Liu's character was terrible yes Lucy Liu was awesome. She's always awesome, but her character in this movie was just abhorrent. It was awful. It was like she got off on any kind of, of I guess, pain or yeah. Well, threats. she's she's like a a sadist, and and you know, guys hire her to to do their S and M shit. But like, it was really to a degree that I'm like, I don't think people would actually pay for this. No, and I don't think the sadist would enjoy having a gun pointed at her. It was just weird. Yeah. No, it was a it was a really bad decision to have that character be that that uh, to that extent. And there there is a funny scene, and it, it makes me feel bad that I think it's I don't like that she gets punched, but I love that the, the he calls she calls the guy fatty, and he punches her, and then checks his his waist. That cracks me up. <laughs> and yeah, that well, that and that was the end of her. Like she wasn't in yeah. it again no. after that. <laughs> And she was the leader of the gang that the money was stolen from, or not the leader. She was a part of the gang that the money was stolen from. Right. Also kind of racist that all these, every Chinese person in the thing is, knows each other. Um, and well, has, that's like real life, right? Well, I mean, there are, there are 7.5 billion Chinese. I can't imagine they all know each other, but. Most of them do. Yeah, I, I think so. They still, you know, they still write in calligraphy and stuff, so it keeps them closer than using the internet. Um, yeah, no, her her character was awful and and almost unnecessary. Like, like you said, she was the leader, not the leader, but you know, part of this gang that got their money stolen. But then, yeah, I don't know. They could have done it in a whole different. The whole 
S&M thing didn't really need to be a part of it, I don't no. think. Um, and why couldn't she just be a girlfriend of the guy? You know what I mean? Like, it didn't... And when she first came in, um, it was reminiscent of the scene in Point Blank where Lee Marvin pimps out Angie Dickinson and sends her up to fuck with the guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is what I thought was happening at first, uh, but no, nothing nothing at all like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that was bad. You mentioned the dog living; that was another bad choice. But, uh, but not I, using the song "The Payback" in the entire movie is a bad choice. Oh yeah, the big payback. Is that what? It, that's the yeah, big the James Brown. They did have a James Brown song in it, but not that James Brown song. I guess they couldn't get the rights. Nope, they could only get the rights to "Living in America." I didn't even know there was a James Brown song in it. I must have not been paying attention. Yeah, it was the, what's the, I forget, women, the woman song. Oh, it's a man's, 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 man's world. There you go. Yeah. I always think in opposites. Um, but Mel Gibson did a, again, a uh, strikingly good job in it, especially uh, with what he was given near the end. Maria Bello, I thought, was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cast was good. Yeah. William Devane. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He and Treat Williams, they should be in movies together so I don't have to watch them. I know you, I know your hatred of William Devane. Although (laughs) I mean, he's, he is good at that kind of smarmy, uh, shithead. And worked in this movie very well. Wait, James Coburn was in this? Yeah. He was the guy that had the, the alligator, Alligator briefcases. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. Yes. I always confuse James Coburn and Lee Marvin, so it's perfect for him to be, be in a, a remake. I did that, too, because they look so much alike. Either James Coburn or Lee Marvin are in the Muppet movie, and I can never remember which it is. I think it's James Coburn. I guess I just just don't know James Coburn. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those were some, some kind of terrible subplots, but um, I did like... That well, and there's also the scene where he he goes to his ex-wife in this one. She overdoses from heroin because um, it's she hides in her shoe. Yeah, and then he's and then the uh, the her heroin dealer comes, who's like some kid, and he like rips the nose ring out of his nose and yeah, that was like, rough. Yeah, that was gross. And then but then he's like got a gun on the kid, and the kid's like talking back, and I'm like. I can't imagine a scenario in which I have a gun pointed at my head where I'm just going to be like, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing always, tra- especially if he's just like some delivery kid. Um, and that's how he gets to meet the whole cast of characters, the kind of syndicate, although most of them are kind of low level that he meets at first. It's got that one actor whose name I don't know, who's like in everything. Um, the Stegman? The... Yeah, Stegman. Uh, I think his name is David Pamer. Yeah, David Pamer. That's... Was like now I don't think. Do you think he's still in a lot of stuff? I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. But at one point he wasn't everything. He was. Yeah. No, I haven't seen him forever either. He's he's another one of those good character actors. Mm-hmm. Um, kind yeah, of playing the nebbishy dude. You'd see him in a movie like this, but you'd also see him in a, like a goofy comedy or a romantic comedy. He wasn't. Yeah, he was in a lot of stuff. And when you go to his IMDb, the first movie that shows up is Drag Me to Hell. Oh, of course. I actually saw that movie. I don't know what, why. Was it good? No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he meets he meets these, and I like that these these lower level syndicate dudes were kind of um, were kind of morons, <laughs> yeah. like which wasn't the case in the in the first movie. I, well, I guess the used car salesman was kind of an idiot, but but for the most part, they all seem like you know criminals in that one and this one they just kind of seem bumbling which which was an element i liked until you got up to the higher ups like chris christopherson and and james coburn and stuff well james coburn i thought he was fine yeah no he was that's true he was kind of just more of a businessman almost yeah and he he was pretty similar to the carol counter character yeah like, he even had a similar line like when he shot when uh mel gibson shot his alligator briefcase and he said you just he just shot my briefcase and my and my suit he's like that's just me (laughs) (laughs) oh i forgot that what did carol connor say that he said something like that he's like when uh when 
Lee Marvin knocked out his bodyguard. He's like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This, <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way to conduct business or something similar, you know? And they both had that disdain for, I mean, they hear how much money it is. What, what, why are you working so hard for such a small amount of money? They both think the same way. I, I thought that, I thought that uh, Coburn and Carol Connor were both equally good and Coburn at least got to live. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, and but I mean that kind of got to be a bit old in this movie with everybody saying yeah. seventy thousand dollars. You you can't be doing this for yeah. Like we get it, but <laughs> um, but yeah. Then you got the crooked cops who are trying to get the money and all these all these people in this who get there come up and somehow because I guess you can just anybody can call up Internal Affairs and be like, hey, uh, this cop's on the take. Well, he left the fingerprinted gun and the badge there. That's true. That's true. But how? Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so he just called and said there's a dead body there. And, you know, it's not clear that it's a frame. but <laughs> Right. I guess he maybe – let's just say he figured it, it would, they might not go to jail, but they'd at least be off his tail for a they'd little be, bit. Yeah, they'd be on desk duty for a while. Um, yeah, and I didn't expect the, – the one scene that I, uh, I wasn't expecting was uh, – although, dear God, it had a terrible line um, – was with uh shit who's that what's that david pamer when he's in the car with mel gibson and then the chinese gang pulls up next to them and just blows the shit out of everybody (laughs) i thought that was good although lucy Liu had like some terrible line that was like bon appetit or you know just something really (laughs) stupid like that but the hubba 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 hubba, yeah i think that's like that was maybe that was because the val character said that a couple times too so it was a catchphrase for the movie oh yeah i didn't remember that i just thought it was so dumb well the wasn't there a bad line when they're mashing up his toes you got well when he came back so yeah after oh i got hammered i got hammered yeah oh god that was stupid after they'd taken a sledgehammer to his toes yeah no, I, I wrote that one down. That was the only thing I wrote down because it was so terrible. Um, like they're trying to, you know, that I, I guess with this kind of movie, you have to try to come up with catchphrases to be like, I'll be back or whatever. Yeah, but maybe during this era, but when you hear how bad that is, just say, oh, I had a bad time. Yeah, I got hammered. Well, Let's and... just say I got hammered. Hubba, hubba, hubba. <laughs> yeah. Oof. But, but, uh, yeah, I was, I liked the, uh, I definitely liked the violence, um, up to a point in this one. And then it just got dumb, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we kind of already alluded to, but, um, I liked him. I liked the idea of them kidnapping the kid's son, which might've been in the book. I don't know. It definitely wasn't in point blank. I don't remember it being in the book. Yeah. I think that was written just, and that wasn't even, this was, that wasn't in the original script for payback. That was one of the things that was added. Like Chris Christopherson is not in the director's cut at all. Oh, really? The character is just never seen and just heard over the phone. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to see it to see how it works out. But yeah. Oh God. And Maria Bello. I mean, they lure the kid with Maria Bello. Yeah. She just shows <laughs> yeah. up in a car outside the, boxing match when it's over i'm your birthday present <laughs> all right <laughs> you're the best guys <laughs> they're like we didn't do it <laughs> yeah, that's not a red flag or anything <laughs> you're only my friends. dad's the best <laughs> <laughs> my dad's buying me whores for my birthday <laughs> yeah and then you get to the kind of the dumb third act not even, not even the whole third act. Just you know, the dumb denouement. With after they beat the shit out of Mel Gibson and hammer three of his toes with a sledgehammer and lock him in a trunk, he somehow knew ahead of time that he would be able to escape that trunk. I guess. Yes, yeah, so knew that the there would be a car in the. I mean, a phone in the car they took. Yeah. And if, if he knew this ahead of time, why did they let him, them hammer more than one toe? I mean, okay, you want to make it look like you're not just giving up bad information, but more than one toe? Why? Yeah, I think one toe is enough to, to you know, prove your torture metal. <laughs> um, yeah, so he escapes the trunk in the dumbest way. Like, I didn't even see how he really got out of his bonds. Um, but then he cuts through the back seat, the vinyl through the trunk which, which was with a crowbar which was just so it looked so stupid yeah um 
and then uses the car phone, which is another thing that makes me think, was it the 70s? I don't know. I don't know if they yeah, had... Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe uh, the syndicate did. Yeah, that's true. They were always ahead of the game in technology. Um, and and he blows them all the smithereens. Including everybody else in that building. Yeah, yeah, a whole building he just blows up. Although, to his credit, it did look like a pretty derelict building, so it was probably just homeless people. Who cares? Well, there you go. Help yeah. improves the city. Um, and then he and Mar- Maria Bello live happily ever after. With the dog, who's still living. Yeah, with the somehow shot right to the gut dog uh, who is alive. Well, I just saw it, but I forget. Did he get his money? I don't think he got his money. No, okay. So Wait, but wait. Maybe at the end Maria Bello says... Or he says something to her like, we got it. But then, I don't know how. Nobody gave it to him. Oh, no, he did get the money. Remember, Chris Christopherson, before the torture, has opens it up and shows it to him. Why he brought it, I don't know. But shows it to him and says, this is the last you'll ever see this, and then puts it away. Oh, well, that's exactly why he brought it. Just to just to tease him. Just to, <laughs> like I do with uh, little kids when I have a lollipop. Yeah, that was... That was a, a dumb thing just to, so Mel Gibson could get his money somehow. That made no right. sense. Yeah. yeah. So he got his whopping $70,000, and apparently they're going to start a new life on that. Now, in the book, I remember him getting the money, but then having to drop it because the cops came, and he, he loses it. Which is more in line with the Parker stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then... I love the Parker novels, but the, the novel that comes after this novel is uh, The Man with the Getaway Face, where the entire <laughs> he goes to a doctor to get his to get plastic surgery, and no one recognizes him anymore. So he's a brand new character. Yes, I read no one... that one, yeah. So that's the whole first half of the book. And then at the very end, the syndicate finds out that his new face, so the whole book is a waste of time, basically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow in 1968, there was this... There was plastic surgery that was so perfect that you could not recognize someone. Um, yeah, it was. It's a decent movie. That's you know, kind of. I would be interested in hearing what the uh, director's cut is like. Yeah, I, I'll let you know. I definitely want to see it. I I think it's a it's a great story to film, and it's interesting that two people have tried it. One more successful than the other, but both somewhat successful. Yeah, yeah, they're they're both all right i don't are there any other movies based on those novels there's one that just came out like two or three years ago with jason stratham and it's just called parker but i think it's like it's based on the novels it's like a mashup of the novels i think so yeah yeah. Yeah, i did not see that but with him being in it it doesn't bode well no no offense to the uh, parker friends out there yeah it it's uh if you're gonna watch a mill gibson movie uh, before from after he got famous, I would say this is the way to go. Um, I was never a fan of like the Lethal Weapon shit, and I thought the first Lethal Weapon was was actually pretty good, and it had I don't I don't know is what does pathos mean? Uh, it, it why why are you asking? I'm wondering if that has it. It's like it had it had a darkness to it that none of the others did. It was actually pretty good, like. His character was was depressed over the the loss of his wife, and was actually effective in the first one. Well, if you think that, it was effective, I guess that would count as pathos. I just couldn't get over his haircut in it. <laughs> well, I don't remember it. I don't remember it well enough. But um, everything after the first, well, this is based on my high school memories. I remember liking the first one and then seeing the second one and just saying, "They changed his character." I was so upset. I was like, in the first one, it made sense. He was upset. He was depressed. Now they just made him insane. Yeah, I I think uh, if it's if it's not like super sappy, it was probably pathos if it worked in the first one. Um, I didn't think it was super sappy at the time, so I thought it was effective. But after that, and I think there's like six of them, and after that, it was just downhill from there. Yeah, I know if it's like if it's kind of overly sappy, you would call it pathetic with a B. But I don't know if there's a word bathos or bathos for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's how you distinguish. Who cares? Lethal Weapon. What what other movies made him famous? I'm Mad Max, of course. Yeah, yeah. It was not even Mad Max, but The Road Warrior for sure. Yeah, but uh, there's also an early Mel Gibson film called uh, Gallipoli that's really good. It's about uh, the this battle in World War One, basically. Uh, and then he rapidly turned to shit. 
He didn't turn to shit. His movies did. Like I never saw. Uh, I never saw Braveheart. I never saw any of the ones he directed himself. I don't I know if he Braveheart. directed Braveheart. Um, I think he directed Braveheart. I, I think I remember liking Braveheart for what it was, like an action movie. Um, I didn't see any of his other movies he directed. I didn't see that. One sounded interesting. The um, the last one. I think it was the last one he did before. Like the really, Aztec one or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, that I sounded like it might be either. interesting. I never saw Passion, uh, of, the Passion Christ. of the Christ. Nah, me either. I like the guy in it, though. He's great in Person of Interest. Everyone should watch Person of Interest coming back this fall on CBS. I don't I don't care for that dude. No, I like him. I liked him in uh, Thin Red Line, so ever since then I've, I've wanted to, him to do good things. He's very uh, one note. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, although he did learn Aramaic, I guess, for that Passion of the Christ, huh? Although he's like a hardcore Christian, too, I think. I think you had to be to be in that movie. Yeah, I think so. Even like the gaffers had to be. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that does these two movies. Yeah, this is fun. Um, uh, I had already seen bits and pieces of Payback. It was neat to watch it all at once. And I'm looking forward to seeing if the director's cut does improve it as much as my my imagination makes it improve it. And uh, it was nice to see Point Blank after hearing hearing of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're both decent, but read the book. Yeah, the book's better than both. Yeah. All right. Uh, recommendations, Asians, 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 Asians. Uh, you go first. All right. I'm going to recommend... Uh, oh, man. I lost my... See, I need to write these things down. Why did I lose my recommendation? Um, Is that your recommendation, pen and pencil? It is. You should always carry one with you, you know, or a cell phone, which I also do, but I just never write anything down on it. Um, no, cell uh, phone. I will recommend because it's going to be released on by uh, Criterion Collection on Blu-ray in a couple months. Mulholland Drive, David Lynch, my favorite David Lynch film. Uh, Viv and I got into a big argument about the movie after we watched it in the theaters when it came out. That lasted like an hour and a half. I mean, it wasn't like we weren't angry. It was just, you know, argument about the movie. But, uh... What was the argument based on? Uh, did, did it actually mean anything or not? And if so, what did it mean? Did it make any sense? Was, <laughs> was he trying to say anything? Did he end up saying anything? Uh, you don't get to have those kind of discussions after uh, most movies. Definitely nah. not payback. Nope. So, yeah, Mulholland Drive. Um, I will be glad to get the Criterion collection uh i had the dvd and like I, it's i know it's a weird thing to complain about but like there's no scene selection you can't like fast forward to certain scenes you have to like watch the whole movie which is kind of cool um because why do you want to fast forward anyway i just found it weird yeah it, it's weird when there's limited special features and that's not even a special feature that seems like that's just a standard feature yeah i think what it was was that i had started watching it and stopped it um and, you know, took it out to play a video game or something and put it back in. And then I couldn't find the scene that it was at. Um, okay. But anyway, yeah, Mulholland Drive. Is that the one with the director in the golf club? Or is that a different David Lynch movie? The golf club? Where the yeah, director... yeah, yeah. With the... Okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. That's a good movie. I think I'm going to recommend the book I read this week. It was... It's, it's definitely not for people who dislike violence. Because it kind of turned my stomach, the violence in this book. But... If you get past that, and I, and I'm I'm also loath to recommend it because I feel like some, it's a book called Triptych by Karen Slaughter, and I was just looking for a, kind of a murder mystery kind of thing, and I didn't know anything about it. This was on the top of the list of Goodreads, and I was like, oh, we'll see what it's like, and it's a series, but it's the first in the series, and I liked it, and I liked the characters, and I liked the kind of, um, the the switcheroo she did where you didn't know who the main character was. If you like, if there's a switch that you'll find out when you read the book and, uh, it's well-written, but it is really dark and it's like graphically. Yeah. And it's on the edge of that, like SVU kind of thing, but I didn't, I don't think it went that far. It wasn't the edge. Yeah. It wasn't exploitive, exploitive. It wasn't exploitive. It just was in there, but it's a good book. Characters are fleshed out, and it's it really when you start reading the chapter, you can't wait to get to the end of it. I mean, you 
you're stuck in the book. You can't, you don't want to put it down. So that's my recommendation with the caveat that you have to be able to deal with violent violence in your literature. Yeah. I've, I've read like, you know, after, after reading like all the classic, like noir stuff, I, I like, there were a few, um, like, like more bestseller type mystery authors who I, I had read, like tried to read a couple books and it all seemed very like sensationalistic. Mm-hmm. Like it just really bad episode of SVU. A lot of, but those are like the, the major, major best-selling authors, you know, this wasn't that bad. I yeah, mean, but yeah. it's on the edge. So that's why it's not like a run out and read it recommendation. Right. <laughs> but I did, I did like some of the things that happened in it. And I, I'm always happy when there's something that surprises me in a book that I didn't see coming from a while away. So there's a couple things in this book that are like that. Cool. Have you read any of that Tana French yet? No, I'm waiting for it to, it's, I'm, I have it on hold at the library. Yeah, I got it on, I just bought it on Kindle, the first one, because um, I had already read another one and I liked it. So yeah, In the Wood or In the Woods or whatever it is. Yeah, I just finished that. That one's good. Whenever that comes in, I will read it. I have, uh, I think I might read, have you read Children of Men? I don't think so. Think is that I the one the movie that. was based on? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't even know it was a book first. So, well, that might be next week's recommendation if it's good. All right. Uh, Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you'd like to talk about anything, or if you'd like to guest on the show, or if you'd like to tell us what to talk about, or if you'd just like to tell us you hate us with a passion. All we want is passion. Uh, like us on Facebook, like individual episodes on Facebook, and rate us highly on iTunes. But most importantly, tell your friends to listen. Because we like your friends. And tell your friends to rate us highly. Um, Alright, I guess that'll do it. Uh, until next week. I think next week will be a TV episode, probably. So, until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Gotta have a love like a fire